the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. I'm coming at you on 860 AM WGUL. And what's our website there, Chris? Give me that again. I keep forgetting. AM860theanswer.com. And this is where you can pick me up on the web if you don't have a radio or if you're out of the country or you're out of the broadcast range of our radio station, which is in the Tampa Bay area. It does go fairly wide around here. I think we cover five or six counties, so that's not bad for a little local station. But if you want to join me, I'm at 86, I am at am860theanswer.com. That's all one word, no spaces. And this is talk radio, interactive, so to speak. We are at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. By the way, we are an iHeart station, so if you're roaming around town, you can listen to me on your cell phone, your smartphone, and you can listen to me anywhere, I would guess with the iHeart, even out of the area. Is that right, Chris? You could be in California. All over the world, I am your international doctor, Bill. What are you talking about? All right, let's get down to business here. First, I wanted to reach out to Mark, who talked at the end of the show last week about USA Today, and he felt it was a conservative paper, and I felt it was a liberal newspaper. I looked into this a little bit because I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, where the Courier-Journal was our paper, and it was a very liberal paper, and uh, Gannett, the parent company of USA Today, bought that paper along with a lot of other papers in the Midwest. And the ethics of journalism is that the journalists, and I would guess the people that work for the newspapers, are not supposed to become involved in political affairs. They're supposed to remain aloof and objective, although the editorial board will lay down its its uh, dictates. And I would think that that is in part directed by the board of the Gannett Corporation. Now, there was an incident in 2012 where 25 Gannett Wisconsin media employees signed a petition to recall Governor Scott Walker. And as you recall, he, not recall him, as you remember, he was trying to dismantle the the uh, 
grip that the unions had on Wisconsin and make Wisconsin a right-to-work state. And this precipitated a lot of outcry from the left. Uh, of course, the recall didn't work, which was really great, not in that he succeeded in making it a right-to-work state, but that, but in that it was shown that they were not the upper-handed people there. Well, these employees were called down by the corporate people, and they were reminded that they are not to be involved in politics and in signing petitions to recall a governor. They're supposed to report on it. Uh, not all of the people that signed the petition were newscasters or news people. Many of them were employees that did not work directly in the news end of the business. And as you know, there's a lot more to the newspaper than just gathering news. You've got to print it, publish it, distribute it. You've got sales, you've got marketing, all those things that go into any business that size. Well, I know from my past experiences that the Courier-Journal is a very liberal newspaper. And USA Today, at least when I was reading it, was a very liberal newspaper. Now, I asked Chris what he thinks, and he thought, yeah, it's still pretty liberal. That doesn't mean that Gannett Corporation is liberal. And I wanted to say that to Mark and let him know that I did think about that a lot, and maybe I blurted out too quickly. And maybe USA Today is more conservative now. I just haven't read it lately. So you have uh, uh, a somewhat uh, appended apology there. If I did insult you in any way, I didn't mean to. But I'll stand by that my initial feeling that USA Today is more liberal than it is conservative. That doesn't mean it's a good or bad newspaper. It's the most widely circulated paper paper in the country. Not not uh, surprising by any circumstances. So we'll just take that in, and then I'll let that go. I won't say any more about it. What I want to talk about today is polling, how polls are taken, because it's important, in my opinion, that we understand what the polls mean and whether they have validity. For instance, if you ask a thousand people across the country a simple question like, are you Democrat or are you Republican, you're going to get people saying yes, no, or not registered, or I don't care. It's a fairly straightforward question. Now, if you start asking them more questions like, how do you feel about Governor Scott Walker? Then you're bringing in a level of subjectivity that's going to make it skewed. And some people may say, I don't like the guy because he got rid of the unions. They may say that this week, but next week, when they see the economy of the state coming up, they may say, well, you know, I'm going to change my mind. So the polls are fickle. And when CNN or Fox News does a poll. They may say, well, how likely as a woman are you to vote for Donald Trump? And as we all know, Donald speaks his mind. <laughs> Actually, I think he speaks more his feelings and talked about abortion and women being held accountable for that in some way legally. And, of course, that created an outrage among all the female press 
or most of the female press. And so polls came out that 69 or 65 percent had an unfavorable view of Donald Trump. I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure who was polled and I'm not sure who did the poll. You know, there's questions that we need to ask because it depends on how you ask the question, the circumstances. Did something happen just today? And will that change by tomorrow or next week? And so these polls are very liquid and fluid, especially at this point in time. And we don't even know if these are registered voters. We don't know if they intend to vote, if they are registered. We don't know if they know how to vote. So we have to ask ourselves, who did the poll? Was this an independent organization like Gallup? Or was this uh, a polling organization that worked for CNN or for the Republican National Committee? So we need to know who did the poll because there's going to be an obvious bias there. And that's in any research. That's why in medicine we have double-blinded studies where the placebo and the real medication look exactly the same and it's sent to the pharmacist without any knowledge of which one is which and then the pharmacist splits them up into this that the other and sends them to the researchers who then deliver them indirectly to the patient the doctor himself is not going to give the medication because he may have a bias about that medication the pharmacist can't know what they're sending out to the doctors for the research because they may have a bias. So it's double-blinded. Nobody knows for sure, going back a couple of steps, whether the pill is placebo or real. So who did the poll? Who paid for the poll, and why was it done? If somebody's paying for a poll and not just paying for a pollster to share data with them, then they've already put a little lean on that pollster. How many people were interviewed for the survey? Is there enough power in it? And you say, well, they only interview 1,000 or 2,000 people, and then they project that onto 320 million of us. How can they do that? If it's structured properly, if it's unbiased, if it's screened for those who are really going to participate in the election and a number of factors as well, then it can be very representative and very accurate. How were the people chosen? Were they chosen randomly? Were they chosen from a certain district or jurisdiction? If you poll a thousand people in the Tampa Bay area, you're not going to get a view, a representative view or feeling for what the rest of the country is doing because we have our own uh, likes and dislikes. We have our own needs and wants. Uh, uh, we have to think locally and we have a different mix of population here than in Louisville, Kentucky, where I grew up. We're more polyglot. We're more diverse. We have a lot of Hispanics in the area, Cuban-Americans, a lot of transplants, large Catholic and Jewish population. So there's, there's a lot here that there may not be in another city like a, our, of our size. And what areas are we looking at? And what people are we choosing to pull from? Are we choosing the uh, average electorate at large? Are we asking Democrats? Are we asking teachers, lawyers, uh, women? Is it state, federal, regional? And are we basing answers on all of the people interviewed? Well, if we have an agenda, we may not want to include some of those answers that don't fit what our agenda is. 
And when was the poll done? If the poll was done last week and things are changing rapidly, it's a fluid situation, especially when you've got people like Donald Trump on the stump who has never been in politics and is used to speaking his mind and then backing up and saying, wait a minute, that that's not really right, and I want to back down on that, then people are going to say, oh, well, you know, this guy's on a learning curve when it comes to politics, but I still like what he says and does, and he apologized for that, or he backed down and said that that wasn't appropriate. And they may change their view in a week. And what other kinds of factors can skew the polls? What questions are asked? And what order are they asked? Even the order. Even the order. Will you ask whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or a Republican or a Democrat? What are you going to put first? And for a lot of people, subconsciously, that has some meaning. And it can be very uh, slanting, and it can lead your results in a way that it is skewed, and it's not accurate, and it's not going to tell tell us what we want to know. We, we want to know objectively who's where in the race. And in the primaries, it may be very driven by idealism, as we know. But in the general election, after all the uh, vetting and all the sifting, and we're down to two people, and remember in the, in the Republican primary, I think we started off with 14 or 15 people. Now we're down to three. So by the time we get to the general election, a lot of the idealism that will elect our candidate for the general election or will select our candidate for the general election is not going to be as important. At that point, it's going to be more important that we get our candidate in, whether we agree with everything he says or she says or or whether we disagree because we may have stronger feelings about the general slant of the Republican Party as opposed to the Democratic Party. And so all these things have to be taken into account. And we have to think about a number of items so that we're accurate in the results that we get if we're going to answer the questions we need to answer. And the Pew Research Center has questions that are used to develop the likely voter scale. Who's going to vote? Because you can call 1,000 people, and we already know that half the public doesn't, uh, the eligible public doesn't vote. You say, well, what impact does that have? Well, let's say you're two weeks out and you're in a new state called State of Q. It's the 51st state, and it's half and half Democrat-Republican. There's a million eligible voters. 750,000 say they intend to vote. Does that mean they'll all vote? Only 500,000 are registered to date as Democrats or Republicans. So we already know that 25% is not interested in voting or doesn't intend to vote. Half are registered, half are not. So if we want to know or we want to have a good sample population, we have to get the statisticians and actuarians to tell us how many people do we have to poll in order to get an accurate view of how the state's going to go and who for. So let's say that you pull out 80% of the eligible voters 
and you're already down to 40% of the eligible population, then we have to frame the questions to obtain an unbiased and statistically accurate measurement of the answers. Otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. Sampling errors are inherent in any poll. Sampling errors are inherent in any research. You may not know it, and you may be talking to someone who is not even a citizen, but they want to give you their thoughts and opinions, and they say they're going to vote, and they're going to vote Democratic, or they're going to vote Republican. So there are sampling errors. It doesn't mean it's bad or wrong. We're only going to get 95% accuracy at the best, and that's the same rule I use in my life is that uh, if I diagnose 95% accurately in medicine, I'm doing pretty good. The other 5%, if I miss it, well, then i got to study, or I need to refer, if I'm not sure, to somebody with more knowledge in that area. So if five different pollsters ask 95% of the population the same question at the same time in the same manner, even with everything identical in our state of Q, you're still going to have a 3% plus or minus because people change or they don't understand the questions, some of them. So it, it's quite complex. And uh, the Pew uh, people, they, they have uh, questions that they ask as they do polls to sift out for those who are really going to vote, likely voters, because it doesn't do any good to poll that 25% that's not going to vote or the next 25% that say they're going to vote, but they're not registered or they get busy or they're not that interested or engaged. So the Pew Research Center says, ask this question. How much thought have you given to Tuesday's presidential election? Quite a lot or only a little? And it's a one, two, three, four, five, quite a lot, some, little, none, don't know, or refuse to answer. And so already you can start sifting out that percentage of the population if you ask enough people and know what percentage is going to actually vote and what percentage is not going to vote or would like to vote but is not that engaged. So you have to ask follow-up questions. How closely have you been following the news about candidates for this election? Very closely, fairly closely, not too closely, or not at all closely. Or you don't know and you refuse. And then you got to know, well, okay, we've got a population that's engaged, let's say 50% or 60%. We have to ask them, which of these statements best describes you? Are you absolutely certain that you are registered to vote at your current address? Or are you probably registered, but there is a chance your registration has lapsed? Or are you not registered to vote at your current address? Or are you in a state where you don't have to register? Or you don't know or you refuse? So instead of saying, we're going to take this guy or this gal that we've called and use their input in our research, we're going to first find out if they're going to vote, if they have an intention to vote, if they're registered. Do you vote all the time? Do you vote in every election? Or do you only vote in presidential elections? Are you registered to vote in your state or in another state? If you're registered inside 
the state you're living, you're more likely to vote than if you're living in New York and registered in Georgia. And some of that may have changed over the uh, past uh, couple of decades with the absentee ballots and the mail-in, the advanced voting, and all that that's been enabled by the different states. That is, if they count those votes, you know, I think at one point they were saying there weren't enough mail-in votes to make a difference. So if the election was already decided by 10,000 votes and there were only 2,000 mail-ins, they're not going to bother looking at those. That may be changing. Are you registered or not? Are you registered in another state? Are you going to go back there? Are you going to get an absentee ballot? Have you lived in another state? Have you voted in another state? Well, if you're going to vote, do you plan to register? Well, if it's a week before the election, you may not have time, depending on your state, to to register. Now, some states, I, I understand, you can now register when you go to the polls. I'm not quite sure that I like that, but uh, nevertheless, we are states, and we do have the right to experiment and see what's what, and that's that's the way the Constitution is framed. Then you have to ask people, have you ever voted before? Well, what are you asking me for? I'm 67. I've voted in every presidential election since 1972 or whatever. Of course. Well, my son's 18 now, 19, head towards 20. He's never voted, not because he didn't want to vote or he didn't have any interest because he's very interested in the political scene. He talks about it with me often. So now he has to register. And a lot of young people, as we know, may have every intention in the world of registering and voting, but somehow they don't get around to it who were still distracted when we're teenagers and young adults. And how often do you vote? If you ask somebody that you're taking a poll of, do you vote in every election? Yes. Oh, yes. Well, I usually vote, and, you know, only if I think it's important, only if I'm worried about the economy or the welfare of the country or I want to support a new candidate, a Hispanic or a black or a Catholic candidate, and so I'm going to come out and vote. But no, I don't always vote. Then you're going to have to take into account whether or not that person is going to be motivated to go to the polls. Do you happen to know where people in your area go to vote? This is a good question. I mean, if you're asking somebody if you vote all the time and they say, yeah, I vote all the time, and you say, well, where do you go to vote? I don't know. I can't remember. Well, why, why can't you remember where you go to vote? That's supposed to be one of those sacred duties, you know, kind of like going to high mass or, or uh, going to, to the Passover meal or whatever. You're supposed to know that. You're supposed to remember it. Well, I've, I've registered, but I've always been a mail-in voter. Well, that's that's fair. You know, I'm, I voted home. There you go. You got an answer. You ask people in Gulfport, where do you go to vote? I know where they go to vote. They go down to the recreation hall down at, uh, down on the beach in downtown Gulfport. But if somebody's living in Gulfport and they don't know where to go to vote and they're not an absentee ballot or, or a mail-in ballot voter, 
then their opinion is of no value. It doesn't matter. We only want to know when we're polling who can vote, who is going to vote, and what they're interested in. And so these questions, they are drawn up and vetted and have been used over the decades. And then you can ask questions like, if the presidential election were being held today, would you vote for? And then you read the list. Well, it also matters how you read the list. What if you put Ted Cruz first and Hillary Clinton second? Some people are going to say, oh, I like that. You know, I'm a Republican. And some are going to say, I'm offended by that. And so they may like some of what Ted Cruz is saying, but they say, well, I'm a registered Democrat, and there are more Democrats, and they should have put Hillary first in the question. So you got to swap it back and forth. So every other one gets questioned, Cruz, Clinton, Clinton, Cruz, Cruz, Clinton, Clinton, Cruz. And you say, well, these are kind of petty things. Yeah, but we're emotional beings, and we are affected by the way things are asked and said. And then you can have polls that are pushing you one way or another. For instance, Ted Cruz, his people called voters that they thought would be for Ben Carson. And the day before the primary in one state, they said, if Ben Carson drops out, would you be likely to vote or not vote for Ted Cruz? So you've put the bug in their mind that Ted, that uh, Ben Carson is dropping out. And that's a very skewed, inaccurate, and uh, it's not even really a poll. And the next question that the Pew Research would ask is, as of today, do you lean more towards Ted Cruz or Hillary Clinton? Do you lean more towards... In the, in the big election, say it's, it's Donald Trump uh, and Bernie Sanders. Which one do you lean towards? And you also mentioned the vice presidential candidates, and I hear a lot of this at the lunch table. And in 2008, I guess it was, when McCain and Palin ran, I can't tell you how many people said they just couldn't stand Palin. Well, if you call somebody on the phone and take a poll and you say McCain-Palin versus uh, Obama and uh, whoever his vice president is, guy's so nondescript, I can't even remember his name. What's his name, Chris? Our vice president. Do you know? Biden, that's it. Okay, so, I mean, if, if you say Obama versus McCain, you're going to get one emotional response. If you say Obama-Biden versus McCain and Palin, you're going to get another response. And although Sarah Palin is a bright woman, she is not very good at explaining her allegories, and she sounds like an idiot at times. All these things come into play. Do you plan to vote? Have you already voted? Don't plan to vote. Don't know or refuse to give an answer. Most people don't refuse. Are you absolutely certain that you voted by absentee ballot? Yeah. My wife filled it out for me and sealed it, and I signed it. <laughs> you know, so that, I mean, you got to do what the wife says, right? Fairly certain, not certain. I don't know. Would you say 
you follow what's going on in government and public affairs most of the time, some of the time, only now and then, hardly at all. Most people don't follow what's going on in public affairs. They just don't have the time or the ability or the interest. Am I getting a paycheck? Do I have health insurance? Have I got a roof over my head? Can I watch football? Go shopping occasionally? So these are the things that occupy most of our thoughts. What are the kids doing? How's the wife? Am I still allowed home? Has she locked me out? Those kinds of questions. And worrying about what's going on on C-SPAN and whether uh, Senator so-and-so is giving a a big speech on foreign policy because he's the chairman of that committee, it just doesn't really interest most of us. All these questions will give us an idea of whether or not somebody is willing and ready to vote. And if they're not, after looking into this, the Pew Research has, has determined and other researchers have determined that if they answer certain questions certain ways, then they're not going to use their preferences or their, their uh, leanings or their choice of candidates because they're not going to vote and it doesn't matter anyway. So Pew Research focuses on uh, our engagement in elections and our opinions about the candidates, the campaigns, and the voter preferences. And that's what the Republican and Democratic National Committees want to know. That's what the news uh, stations and newspapers want to know. That's what the government wants to know. That's what the big donors want to know. They want to know, is this guy viable or not? You know, I'm not going to throw $500,000 at this dude if he isn't even a viable candidate. And I think that's what Marco Rubio ran into. He realized that he wasn't going to have the support he needed because he didn't have enough public support, so he wasn't going to get the money support. And all these things are important. Even in off years, the polls need to include questions about party identification and our past voting behavior and reaction to events. Did I get upset over the incidences in Paris and in Brussels uh, the past few months? Or did I just say, ah, it's a European problem? Or, you know, now we know that terrorism is a basic part of our life, and I accept it, and I go on. And it doesn't really matter to me because my chances of getting killed in a terrorist attack are one in 10 million. Okay, well, then we've made a statement about whether or not we follow the war on terrorism. And how do you identify which respondents will actually vote? Well, we went through that. Are they honest? Are people telling you honestly when you pull them? And how will undecided voters make their final decision? So we want to know, what are the issues that are going to pull the middle? And that's really important. That's hugely important to the big big parties because they need to know how to slant their, their rhetoric and their program to get the middle to vote for them because that's what's going to make the difference. Those 5 or 10% that are independents or that are swing voters are going to be the ones that are going to decide in most big elections who the next president is. So once we've identified likely voters and we know that they're 
opinion is going to count because they're probably going to vote. Then we want to ask things like, well, what's your party affiliation? Now, we know that there are a lot of people in both the Democratic and Republican Party who are going to vote Democratic or who are going to vote Republican no matter what. Even if they don't like their candidate, they dislike the other side so much or philosophically disagree with the other side so much that they're not going to change. They're not going to alter their, their voting characteristics based on their candidate. They're going to support their party. And the coattail effect goes right along with that. So you go into the polling place, and you know who the president and vice presidential candidates are. You know who your senator and congressman are. But you don't know who's running for the school board. You don't know these people. You don't know the city council members that well. And so you just say, out oh, of heck with it, and you mark everybody Republican or Democrat. And that makes it, in some sense, a little bit easier to discern at the local level what's going to happen. But it's uh, certainly not the, the best informed way. And it also goes back to saying that we don't stay engaged. We can't. There's not enough time in the day to do all that. And all of the political events of the national, international, state, and local uh, events that are going on. Well, I'm going to go grab a cup of joe, and I'll be right back. When I come back, I'll have a question for you. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Let me talk to you. I have been here before the days of I. Of course, that is why I'm so concerned. And I've come back to find the stars misplaced and the spell of a world that has burned the spell of a world that has burned with SRN News I am Michael Harrington in Washington officials say that Brussels airport will not be fully operational again until the end of June or perhaps July but today, the first of three symbolic flights departed, signaling the return of service 12 days after the ISIS attacks. New York Senator Charles Schumer says it's time for the Department of Homeland Security to hit the gas and testing of explosive detectors that can sense compounds and figure out whether they can be installed at transportation centers. The technology has proved successful in laboratory tests. The effort to crush Ebola in West Africa continues to be an elusive goal. A Liberian health official today says a second case has been confirmed in his country. And an Indian Ocean island has yielded a suspicious piece of debris. Officials say it will be analyzed to determine if it's from the missing Malaysian Airlines flight 370. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for CanCare Clinic for Canadians and Visitors. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North, St. Pete. One block from 66th Street North. We accept travel insurance. Full service clinic with x-ray, lab, Coumadin check, minor surgery, ultrasound, echo, nuclear scanning, and in-house pharmacy. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. 
Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-2795. That's 727-771-2795. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $28 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-509-1667. That's 1-800-509-1667. 1-800-509-1667. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors not available in all states. You've probably heard about the beautiful track at West Chase Golf Club, but here's something you may not know. West Chase Golf Club is open to the public. That's right, it looks and feels like a private course, but it's open to the public. West Chase features a championship 18-hole par 72 course where you'll encounter all that nature has to offer. Birds, deer, and gators are frequent visitors. They offer full dining, a pro shop, and easy access just off the veterans just northwest of the airport. Check out westchasegc.com for tee times and group outings or call 813-854-2331. West Chase Golf Club, it's not private, it just feels that way. High risk threat risking effect through this evening for today. Less humid with clouds and sun. High of 75, wind gusts around 30 miles per hour for the morning. Then tonight it will be clear with a low of 60. Tomorrow, sunny to partly cloudy with a high 78 and a starlit night, low 61. Sunshine Tuesday, high 81. That's your Acura with a forecast. I'm Kevin Baxter for AM860, The Answer. I just want to talk to you. I want to do you no harm. I just want to know about your different life. This here people farm. I heard about your family living in cages down and cold. Some stay there and dust away again. Oh, I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. That's a little bit of Jimi Hendrix up from the skies. Uh, He, in that song, is an astronaut who has come back to Earth after being away for eons. And he finds a world that's burning and people being kept in cages and all kinds of things. Blank expressions, etc. And we're talking about polling and voters and opinions. And so I want to ask you guys a couple of questions. And the first couple of callers will give you a gift certificate. And you can call and answer these. And I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. I don't care if you're uh, for or against Cruz or Hillary. It doesn't matter to me at this point. I'm just doing this as sort of a sample of how, how people feel and how the polls are conducted. Do you intend to vote? And what party are you? Who do you like in the primaries? And what are your reasons for liking them? So if you have an opinion, here's your opportunity. And 
we can play with this a little bit. I'm at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. I'm on 860-WGUL. We are The Answer, and our website is am860theanswer.com. So if you're interested in joining me, I'm here. Uh, Let me see if I can get my instant messaging up here so I can see when Chris has somebody on the line. And if you don't want to talk on the radio, you can certainly let Chris do it for you if you're you're self-conscious. But, you know, this is no big deal. It's like sitting in the living room with me. So, again, my questions to you today are do you intend to vote? What party do you vote for? Who are you for in the primary and why? Give me a shout. We're talking about pollsters and polling today and how polls are framed in order to get an objective and accurate sampling of the population and who's up and who's down. You know, in the primaries, it's even more difficult for the pollsters because they have to take into account a large number of candidates, as I said earlier, with a wide range of philosophical differences. And so if you're trying to compare candidates and you go to their websites and you have to look at their plans and you can't listen to what they're saying on the stump because they're more likely to be held to something they've put in writing than something they say in a speech or in a debate. So we get a view of what corporate tax rate the Republican candidates would like to implement. And at the low end is uh, Donald Trump at 15%, and then 25% for Kasich, and whatever for Cruz. I don't remember exactly what it is, but you get the idea. Let's say he's 20%. And the highest corporate tax rate right now is 35% or 37%. So Trump wants to cut it by more than half, and Kasich by 10 points, and Cruz by 20 points, whatever. And so then we have to stop and say, well, why would we want to lower it all the way down to 15%? And Trump's argument is that there are jurisdictions, there are countries like Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, where there's only 12.5% tax on corporate earnings, corporate profits. Well, that's a lot less than 35 or 37%, and it's certainly a lot less than 25%. It's half of that. So 15% says to the corporations, we don't want you to leave, but we want you to know that you're part of the, of the economy, so we want you to pay something. And then these kinds of questions come into play when we're picking our primary candidate. And you may say, well, the corporations are all evil and we need to keep it at 35. Let's go up to 40. Or you may say, well, I don't think they're leaving just because of taxation. I think they're leaving also because of uh, lawsuits and product liability and all those sorts of things may be true. Uh, If you go to a jurisdiction that has reciprocity with the United States, though, you may end up still getting sued if I don't know what the laws are in Ireland or what the reciprocity is between our country and Ireland when it comes to civil suits, but you may end up getting pulled into it anyway. So there's a lot of factors that come into play when we're looking at the primary polls. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. 
And again, the swing vote is ultimately what will decide, in my opinion, this presidential election. I don't think we're going to see a landslide on either side. And this is defined as voters who are either undecided or only leaning to a candidate who say they might change their minds before Election Day because they consider themselves deep thinkers or they consider themselves concerned citizens and they want to hear both sides of the argument. They want to hear the Democrat and the Republican side. And that also comes into play. As most election polling has been very accurate, it's because of the ability to vet out those who will vote as well as those who are still thinking about it but are likely to vote. These are important patterns to see. And then we have to consider other things like race. There was the Bradley effect in the, eight, in the 1980s when Bradley ran uh, for governor of California against, I think it was uh, George... Duke Majin, and he was a white Republican. And there were people that did not want to say that they would not vote for a black American. But that effect was seen, and so that was factored in. And in the 1990s, they factored in at the Pew Center when they did these polls the likelihood of a certain percentage of the population not giving an honest answer because they didn't want to appear racist, but they didn't want to vote for a black American. Well, by 2008, that had pretty much disappeared, and it's no longer in effect. Polling is good at predicting, when done accurately, who's going to win an election. A few times it's been wrong, but for the most part, going back to 1932, which Pew looks at, it's been pretty right on. Still, it doesn't mean that pre-election polls are all that reliable. And polls conducted early in the election season should be taken as a snapshot in time. I mean, it's, it's a picture of what's going on emotionally as well as intellectually, we hope, in, in the United States at any one point in time in the process to get to the final week uh, before the elections when we really those of us who are who are unsure in the middle, uh, the swing voters, the independents, make up their mind. So we can't look at the polls that say that uh, people think Ted Cruz is a liar or Donald Trump doesn't like women. Though Those are not accurate now, and they're not going to reflect how people will vote six months, eight months from now. What's the election in November? So we're, what, eight months away? December, January, February, March. Yeah, we're about eight months out. Things change quickly. That's in any relationship. There are a number of publications that you can find at the Pew Research Center and other research centers that will give you an idea of how this is conducted and how reliable these polls are. You also have to consider the, the, the exit interviews. Those are important. And they can actually shape a race because if you have results from New York come out 
and work three hours ahead on the east coast of the west coast and those are made public and people in California are sitting home watching the the evening or the afternoon news let's say the afternoon evening they probably won't have a chance to vote they're watching the afternoon news and they see that New York is overwhelmingly gone for the Republicans or the Democrats then they're less likely to go out and vote as they say well it doesn't matter California's uh, X number of electoral votes is not going to tip the balance, even though it might. And we saw a little bit of that effect when Nixon and Kennedy raced in the 1960 election. The miracle of modern technology, we can find out what's going on in New York instantaneously, even if we live in Seoul, South Korea. All these things are important to consider. And I think it's a good thing in a way because it will make us more resolved in saying, well, I don't care what's going on in New York or Maryland or Florida or any other East Coast Atlantic state. I know what I want to vote for, who I want to vote for, and why I want to vote for it. We're not getting any callers here. Do you intend to vote? What party, who for, and why? Give me a call. I'm at 877 969 Eight six zero zero. That's eight seven seven nine six nine eighty six hundred. We are the answer, and we're waiting for you to give us a shout. Got a few minutes left in the show. I'll give you a gift certificate for twenty five dollars to the restaurant of my wife's choice. Well, my question also last week was: Do you think Ted Cruz can capture the middle? I don't think he can. And now they're talking about a brokered convention and drafting Paul Ryan. I don't think that Trump's going to go for that. I think we'll have a third-party run, and that'll be the end of the Republican Party for a few decades. So what's going to happen? It's interesting. Philosophically, forget what Trump says. If you go to his website, I like what he says, and I agree with a lot of it. And a lot of it I've said for decades I like the tax structure. I like the transparency in health care pricing. I'd like to see what BayCare, Morton Plant, uh, St. Anthony's, St. Joseph's Hospitals, what they're charging versus what HCA, which are the hospitals that I work at, are charging for the exact same thing. I'd like to see what one doctor is charging versus another. If I want to pay cash, I'd like to see what the insurance companies are paying, how much they pay the doctors for the same procedure. If one guy's getting 500 and another guy's getting 5,000 from a different insurance company, and I'm a doctor, I think I want to sign up with insurance company number two. So I, I think that the transparency would be a really great thing. I, I'm big on transparency. I think it was a big mistake that we didn't have that with the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac federally uh, uh, insured mortgage loans, home loans back in the early 2000s. And because we didn't have the transparency in those institutions and because there was no reform, because there was no transparency, we had a humongous meltdown in the economy. So there is a, a place for transparency. Does that mean I want transparency in all aspects of foreign policy or national security? No, of course not. We need to have certain things that are, that are kept, uh, uh, secret in order to both protect our interest as well as to not inform 
the other side what we're up to. You got to use a little bit of discretion in these matters. But in, in domestic affairs, I think it's important that we have as much transparency as possible. We've got John on the phone. John, what's up, bud? Hi, doctor. Yeah, I, I like Trump. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to vote for him. And, and the reason is I like his business tax plan. Or, you know, Cudlow, the, he's real good about taxes and stuff. Uh, and he analyzes it and he says that Trump is the best for business, stimulating, uh, you know, the, the economy. And I think uh, I like Trump, too, because he's the only one that's going to actually shut down the borders. So his competition, uh, Cruz and the Democrats, are going to leave the borders open and leave uh, uh, illegal immigration to keep in for business and stuff. Uh, and and Cruz has has voted for the uh, the uh, the trade the trade plans that Obama came up with that are terrible for for the working class of this country. And our middle class is being shrunk down yeah. to nothing and really hurting. And the only people that are doing okay are the you know the upper income people. And both the Democrats and the Republican uh, establishment are out to get Trump because Trump is going to disassemble them. He's let me both. let me ask you this. I'm playing like a pollster. What party are you? Are you registered Democrat, Republican, yeah. or I, I was independent, but uh, when Rubio, you know, came on board, I, I decided to go, you know, Republican to support him. Which so you were you were a swing voter. And well, so you, you, well, you would no, vote I'm Democrat. Or you're Republican no. now, but in the past you were independent. Right. In the past, I was independent, but I always voted for the for the best guy, you know. But it always was Republican for me. It, it, since Kennedy, I thought Kennedy was the last good, uh, you know, Democratic president. But, okay. But and, yeah, and, and 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 you know, have you voted in every election? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So you're I've, so I've, you're a, I mean you're valid then, and uh, your leanings now are are towards uh, Trump and the Republican Party. So. You know, you're, the pollsters well, would say that you're a good person to talk to. Yeah, but I don't like to talk to them. <laughs> so you don't, I don't like I talking don't like, to the pollsters? <laughs> no, uh, they call up. I don't want to divulge any information. You know, they, they write okay. it down. They got your phone number. They got your name. They can, they can, and who knows who they are that's calling you, you know? Now, do you have a landline or do you have a cell phone? Both, both. Both, so they could reach you either way. And right, you, I, don't you know, want, I don't a, want yeah, you think yeah, about it. Out there. Yeah. yeah, you think but, about but, it, and it's important because uh, if you're polling yeah. and trying to get an accurate poll, and most people have a cell phone now and not a landline, especially the younger kids, then mm -hmm. you're going to have to shift your tactics and use a cell phone more. Yeah, and it bothers me too. The educational system is is so liberal that it's that it's you know it's, okay. uh, the, the 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 college kids don't really know about how our country's being pushed to a socialism and socialism. Well, but communist. yeah, but you know, let's face it. Did you know when you were that age? No, I, mean, I wasn't. I was, I was a liberal at, at 18, 19, 20. I never was. I never was. Yeah. And you I weren't? never had it. No, I, I, I just graduated, graduated, so just always was with the, you know, I like Ike, you know, stuff yeah. like that. I hear uh, you, man. Well, John, it's yeah. getting close to the end of the show and I appreciate you. Make sure you stay on and give uh, Chris your info. And uh, we'll uh, send you out a gift card, bud. Uh, it turned out to be not a bad show. Thanks for calling, John. And so we've got 40 seconds left, so I'm going to wrap it up real quick. The polls have no meaning unless they're done accurately, scientifically. They have little meaning if they're done eight months before the final big election. 
they're of less meaning if there are a lot of candidates running in the primaries. So all these things have to be taken into account. But the main thing is get your butt out and vote. Love you guys, and I will see you next week. We'll be right here. Hopefully we'll have a good show again. And, Chris, you have a good weekend. Love everybody. Adios. And a hundred at bid. Now two hundred dollars. Two to buy. What he get? Three hundred dollars. Five hundred. He says seven fifty. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon intelligence agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.